Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun! And see you later. Hello and welcome to what was the Rusty Quill Gaming Podcast. I'm your host and G well once GM Alex Dion and with me today I have Bernard Monroe. Lydia Nicholas and Helen Gould. What was that, Ben? Yeah. What? Oh, sorry. I thought we were done. We were done, so I turned off talking. Uh, uh, yeah, I, see, I see your confusion there. Now, no, welcome no, to the eternal to purgatory. Off, welcome to the eternal purgatory. No, Tim no. has fallen into it. Johnny has fallen into it. Ben, you were already into it, let's be honest. Well, Welcome, all of you, to the never-ending never-ending content cycle as you try to rest and are permanently denied. How is everyone? Honestly, not bad, as I actually did have some rest over Christmas. I just lay on a sofa like a Victorian lady for several days, (laughs) and it was great. (laughs) I really hope it was on a proper Ches Longu. No, it was not on a Ches Long... A Chalongui? <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad. It is a Chalongui. My apologies. <laughs> so we are going to be answering a bunch of uh, listener questions oh, today. Wait, I was actually too sleepy to, like, genuinely, you're asking how people are. It's worth flagging. I have post-COVID fatigue and my brain is slow. I'm <laughs> thinking through a blanket. Mm. If you can imagine the thoughts. Stuck in a cloud. A, a relief not to be playing Cell today to, and talk, talking at oh, double like, speed. Genuinely, I was thinking like I could not do any of my character voices like this. Like, <laughs> no. You could maybe do maybe do Sasha specifically when she was becoming a lich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And remember, I was. I I think I played that so well and realistically because I I was doing a. a, a I did have a chronic fatigue episode at the time. That'll, yeah, that'll not like it. an enormously bad one. Like so many people were like, "Oh, it was done so like realistically and sensitively," and I'm like, "That's because I was really feeling." Like- <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to exonerate ourselves from all responsibility for organization. You know, this isn't uh, this isn't a curated experience anymore. This is chaos. So we've 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 managed to narrow it to a hundred questions, and we're going to d one hundred this thing. We're just going to dice roll it, and then if all the questions answered are naff and you hate them, tough. I'm not responsible. <laughs> so with that in mind, I'm oh oh 
Now, we do have an extra system here, which is in the event of doubles, uh, <laughs> Brinicus Law Maximus has in fact got a series of his own questions, which will trigger in the event of doubles. I don't know what those questions are. No doubt they'll be I'm too specific. V- very and I'll angry be that I don't have priority. <laughs> I feel like I was here first. How do you not have priority? You're counting before, as a critical. before there were fans, uh, and my questions <laughs> should therefore come first. I mean, it's just a question of how long I've waited versus them. What I really, sorry, really like is that <laughs> in, in the final Q&As for our Pathfinder game, we've swapped to a percentile system with the bolts as critical. We're playing Dark Heresy now. Come on. I don't know what you mean. I've got a D20. I've got 20 questions because I understand the assignment. <laughs> You don't have a D20, you have a 20-sided mace. It's enormous. It is. It's a giant It's a giant D20. It's great. Brit is just perpetuating this Pathfinder nightmare that I'm stuck in. <laughs> oh, you and me both, right. then. I'm going to roll our D100 and we're going to see where we end up. Okay, question 18. Lydia, this one's for you. Ooh. <laughs> Unexpected. Oh <my> <laughs> it's so big. It's such it's such a big question. Okay, okay. What was Sasha's backstory and connections? Who were her parents? What was up with her training by Rakefine and Eldarion? How much would the ending have changed if she had been around? What was the deal with Rakefine's will? That's not a question. No, that a question at all. That's, like, that's, that's, like that's not a question for me. That's a question that I would have prepared. Like That is a question that I literally sent Alex like via Teams. Is this your question? Like from me. In yeah. fairness, this is a this is a Lydia Alex one, but I am still taking umbrage with a question should end in a question mark, not six. So mm. I'm gonna do our best <laughs> to get through it, but this this is smacking of shenanigans I, very I early. I think that this will actually be two questions, which is like how am I so brilliant at writing backstories with multiple plot hooks? Um, <laughs> and that I can't answer. I'm brilliant at it. <laughs> Are you just born with it? Um, <laughs> but the other one is how many of the hooks that were left did Alex actually write and weave in, or how many did he leave? Because when Sasha, like spoilers, uh, is trapped in Rome, I asked Alex if, like, who Sasha's dad was, because I left that a mystery. And he said, there is so much to be revealed. And then he has revealed literally nothing. <laughs> you kept killing everyone who's going to reveal. Right, let's dig into this. Or let's it was Einstein all along. Well, that's, that explains rogue space. Yeah. So the first question of what was Sasha's backstory and connections, that one's too broad. It's like, that's 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 covered like, by the other questions. It's so literally put that... available, I think, on yeah. either the... Either online or via Patreon, like the 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 backstory that I wrote. Mm. I didn't understand when Alex asked for backstory that most most people's response to the questions would be like a sentence, but I think I wrote you like five pages. You always do that, and it's great. It makes my life a lot easier. Yeah, and like I always say, it doesn't matter if all of it isn't woven in. It's like I like the unpredictability of some bits will be used and some won't. So I wrote Sasha lives, like at, at the point... Sasha has been mostly raised by her uncle and the criminal gang. She doesn't know who her parents were, although she has a sense that they were people that were very important and that in a way sets her apart. And then her burgeoning skills set her apart and then like she's held captive and then mysteriously she gets moved to somewhere else. In a similar way to like with Cell, you did like you didn't tell me what to do, but when I said where would it be useful to for them to come from? And oh, yeah, and you established that I forgot the world was round in your backstory temporarily. Yeah, 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 that was quite interesting. You're like, yeah, and then, like, you go via via New York straight to Japan. I'm like, there's no... <laughs> that's a really stupid route, Alex. That's a, that's a, so the there'll, be 20, there'll be 20 years of them wandering around the world before that. I'm going to reiterate something that's going to keep coming up here, which is I'm going to temporarily come John, Johnny Sims here. You know, the text is the text, which is basically a way of saying, anything that has not been revealed in the series i'm happy to talk about like what was loosely floating around in my head but don't for a moment confuse that with this is what it is if it isn't in there make it up 
Exactly. I can say what I was, what, what I had in the bag in case and things like that, but that's not the same thing as it being any kind of a canon. So just to keep reiterating that one. Can I just clarify? I did not give Alex a reason that Sasha was removed and taken to rake fines. No, not at all. I didn't give a reason. I said that somehow, without her really understanding why, she was moved to like another relation and was they tried to force her to be brought up as a fancy lady and it it didn't go very well <laughs> didn't it no oh. no I, like eldarian did exist like there was a tutor because you like you wanted more names but mm-hmm. I, I gave nothing more so to lay out a few things there could have been an iteration of the campaign where parents turned up, but because of the shape and the routes the people took, it was never gonna. It, it just couldn't happen. The same way I didn't think that the Northern Wastes, wastes in inverted commas, were ever gonna turn up and did. Like, I, it's it's unpredictable. It has characters in it. In my head, I had pegged Sasha's parents as probably being Harlequins, but not important ones. And I also had baked into the back of my head. So in the same way that the Northern Wastes turned out not to be the Northern Wastes, Mm. I was intending to play around with potentially like meritocratic prison systems and so on. And the Mm. idea that like her one of her parents Ah. could have potentially have been imprisoned Mm. and what would that have looked like and so on. Rakefine was was an important Harlequin though. So Rakefine was Rakefine wasn't a parent, to be clear. Yeah, yeah. He he was another like great uncle. Yeah, Let's yeah. to separate it out. So yeah, biological parents, I had sort of buried in the background somewhere the idea that I had them pegged in my head as being minor harlequins who had ended up being imprisoned. And then I could have unpacked that, but it it was very clear that this this wasn't going to happen by the end. So it, I wasn't going to force it. Oh yeah, the the will and everything being trained so up. The, so yeah. the list only finally got to be revealed. I believe Bryn, it was yeah. part of... Was it Epilogue 2? Yes, yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah, so that was in Epilogue 2. I finally got to to drop that one. But in terms of what was up with the training by Rakefine and Eldarion, I think that's been covered, really. Like, from my end, it was, you know, Rakefine was effectively, genuinely being quite fatherly, but also kind of building a Harlequin out of Sasha. Mm. Training a secret agent to influence That's what I thought, like an Ill- infiltrator kind yeah, of exactly. thing. Yeah, exactly. But um, I will admit I was frustrated with Eldarion. Because Aldarian was... I, I can't remember if this had been mentioned. One Aldarian was going to turn up in Eiffel's Folly and didn't. Oh. <laughs> that was going to be Aldarian's entrance. And I was like, damn it, this story works without them. Okay, oh, you can and go away Aldarian for a while. was going to turn up underneath a pyramid. Eldarian but... <laughs> <laughs> was actually holding the cloak of the bat the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you joke, I did experiment with whether Aldarian could come in via pyramid and then was like, nah, that's not going to work. And then when Aldarian did come up, it's immediately like, I have so much to tell you. <clears throat> So, like, that wasn't intentional, to be clear. That wasn't like a ha-ha-ha tease. But in terms of, yeah, Lydia, you didn't really give backstory that Pre wrote everything out. You just said, I think this is cool. We'll figure out how that fits yeah, in. And that was pretty like, much I, it. With that, and even, and similarly with Cell, like, I, I tend to write things of, like, these are the big beats in their life, and some bits will be a mystery to them. Yeah. And also, I really like writing stories where not everything gets revealed every single one of you has that in your character in one way or another something that didn't come up or something that cut of half came up and i'm okay with yeah, that chris had a whole family <laughs> yep <laughs> 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 so in terms of the rake finds will thing i think we answered that one mm-hmm. here's one that i think is entirely on you though lid which is how much would the ending have changed if sasha had been around i i think the main difference would be zolf's complete mm. personality like pro- progression would be different right i agree i agree he'd have been um, a lot better off i think there were a lot of moments where i thought like the emotional angle would be different like yeah. sasha's approach to an understanding of the kobold situation would have probably mm. like focused a lot more on the like how are you responsible for situations that you are trapped in where you do perpetuate harm. Yeah, yeah. But like, mm. so that, I think that we would have just taken that in a different angle. Sasha would probably have been good friends with the cobbles in a similar sort of way. But I, I, mm, I'd yeah. be, a lot of the things would be different in, like Alex would probably 
have had to think up more ways of how we would have gotten an airship off the ground, like I suppose tweaking it in a way where maybe. I mean, it was who knows if that broken. would have even happened at all? Yeah, we might yeah. not have opted yeah, for airship. Yeah, like if basically, we didn't have right. if you're going to change something like still having Sasha with us, the whole rest of the campaign potentially changes completely. Mm. Like, because you don't have the mechanical skill. Yeah. Uh, I, I also think it's quite likely that Sasha would have died. Well, I think also. Some- one interesting thing as well is Skrark may not have been as important because Skrark yeah. fulfilled the, the rogue role and you don't want two yeah. rogues because then it's like fighting it's very with true. a PC. So. Mm. Or Skrark would have been there but in an entirely different iteration. Yeah, you'd have so, like yeah. super mechanical. Like, I mean, all the kobolds were sort of set up to be scientists and like engine. Like, they were doing science and engineering and keeping the place going, right? So we might have ended up with... Was it, was it Natan who was the... The really, the really engineering one, or was Natan the one who liked loud noises? Merc liked loud noises. Merc, okay, yeah. I remember that because he died. <laughs> <laughs> Sasra was Sasra was the one who wanted to be an alchemist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think any of them were like more engineering. I don't remember one of them coming off more engineering than all the others. But I might. I be. think it was Sasura was the one who sort of connected with Cell yeah, the, the most. most. Yeah. So it came out kind of like that. Sasura loved complicated technical puzzles. Yeah. Um, but I think that it, it, the way that the kobolds as a whole was set up and what as a group they'd been doing, like keeping the base going, it would have been perfectly able to have like a character emerge from that that could mm. help with some things that Cell helped with. Or it yeah. could have just gone in a completely different direction. Like, I don't know. You, you might have had a mission where Cell went off to, to steal the off switch from wherever and you do it. Although the ultimate way. final choice would have been the same. You were mm. always going to end up back at Westminster and you were always going to end up back at the sort of planar debate, let's call it, because I wanted the echoing of Mr. Sealing. Oh, yeah. I wanted oh, you to have had an interaction with Mr. Sealing that went horribly because people didn't <laughs> consider consequences and were behaving like murder hobos. Like this is pre pre the game even being played, to be clear. <laughs> And then it was the hope of returning to a similar situation, a little bit older, wiser, and more careful. I think um, we were a bit more thoughtful than than your, your classic. Yeah, I, I admit, I I admit, it. it you, you, we ended up quite less murder hoboey than I anticipated once mm. the show got going. Yeah, and Hamid was like, sod it, hit the off switch because he genuinely thought it was the best thing, not just because it's like, ha ha, monster. They were harvesting <laughs> brains from children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I understand the debates about Mr. Sealing potentially being redeemable in terms of teaching it morals, but they were literally harvesting brains from children. <laughs> yeah. like, very morally great. I don't know, it's very I morally do, great. I really right? do enjoy <laughs> shifting sympathy perspective as far as I can, just to see how far you're willing to go with it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close that question, otherwise we'll We'll be here at our current rate it will take us a few solid days of recording so i am gonna draw a line under that specific yeah, question. we might have we'll to go, go quick fire in the end we'll, we'll go again we'll go again hopefully not all of them are six separate questions that's true okay okay next question 52 what's 52 52 this is from uh sarcastic pumpkin for everyone what would you consider to be the biggest moment for your character that changed them to who we see in the end? Like, what's their pivotal moment from there to here? And they said, Alex, feel free to answer for uh, an NPC. Uh, for Azu, it was the loss of Sasha and Grizzop, for sure. I think that really, um, really hit her hard in like a way that I didn't necessarily get to um show obviously because Azu is actually quite a reserved character she's actually quite bad at I talking about I think we got the sense of that to be honest yeah. I feel like that was clear in the performance even if it was understated I mean, at times well that was the thing like um I was I was trying to show her learning how to like open up but like yeah um I think that was definitely a turning point for her and made her sort of a more determined and B more clingy to Hamid. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There was that, and then um, and then just an accumulation of all the other horrible things that she saw. <laughs> it's complex PTSD. It's, yeah. uh, it's a long term experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any other takers for Hamid? Uh, I mean, you know, well, we saw him 
constantly changing throughout the whole show and I think everything contributed to that but the the one thing that I felt was the most crucial not just to Hamid but also to me as Hamid in a sense because Mm. I you know I tend to think in stories especially when I'm in a role-playing game built about stories but it was during the body swap episodes it was what Skrark said to Hamid it was he said you don't necessarily need to have a role Oh, oh yeah and that you remember a, that for both Hamid and me as Hamid was just a yeah free myself from the stories I've already been telling both mm. in and out of character and you know give myself over to what to the story a bit more rather than trying to shape it where I want mm. it to be and so sure. that, that affected me both in and out of character but I think that was that was such a you know that felt like a, a real moment for me and for Hamid, I think, as well. And I think, you know, it, the other moment I love is just before the Garden of Yerlik when <laughs> Hamid goes to Azu and is like, are the meritocrats bad? <laughs> <laughs> um, which I loved. I was so happy we got there. Um, but, that, you know, uh, and obviously that was the culmination. That wasn't so much a moment. That was kind of the mm. everything adding up and coming out as that question. But yeah, that yeah. that one moment that's, and that one thing that Skrark said to him, I felt just really resonated in a really nice way to share a real human moment with you Bryn by the way that you don't have to have a role thing I can trace back to a piece of advice that you once gave me that stuck with me (laughs) which originally was given for board games ironically but has proven very good in life Uh, and it is play the game in front of you don't play the game you wish you were playing (laughs) and you gave it me for you know like card engine building games it's proven really good advice but that I, I know that that was the cause that led to That's that amazing. thing coming back yeah, yeah. to you. <laughs> and yeah, it's something I try to do. You're absolutely right. In games, I try and do it. And in my life, I try and do it. But in RPGs, that's the time I forget it. <laughs> yeah. But that was, yeah, that was good. For for Zolf, I think it was um, two specific points. Um, the first was leaving the party mm-hmm. uh, because, I mean, it obviously gave me an opportunity to change the source of the clerical power. And the second one, I think, is kind of talking to Wilde in Purgatory, the, mm. the, the Shadow Realm, because I think that was just quite an important mm. conversation. But also, I, I don't, I think the journey is made up of lots and lots and lots of little things. There is no yeah. one big thing. Like, there's no turning point. It's, it's, a, it's a gradual process. So, you know, those are probably mm. most major, but they're not the only ones. Mm. Yeah, I, I kind of think for Sasha, similarly, it's, it's lots of small things. I, I do come back to the kind of Grizzop weeping, you're more important than a thing. Yeah. Bit, where like some of the lessons might have kind of begun to get through. Mm. But it's yeah. that, I think for Sasha, what was changing her was the fact that these were people that just kept turning up and kept coming back to help her and save her even when she was like very literally self-destructive like (laughs) running into the thing with the bombs and there's like oh you woke me up cool like not in a i don't think ever in a really conscious way but just didn't value herself very much and so the fact that people valued her and kept showing up was was something that then meant she was able to kind of take the next steps of thinking through and working through issues for for sell their their relationship with the party i think i can't i can't think of a kind of massive not really cell by virtue of cell's scale of life that kind of, it resists that kind of a quick mm. yeah change. i think there's genuinely moments in the epilogue where they're talking to people hmm. where that feels like some of the most reflecting that they've done and yeah that sort of no, I, I just think that, that there isn't a moment that sort of stands out. I think they are changed by the experience, but not yeah. in a kind of like, but <laughs> ah, I realise now. I mean, in the third epilogue, I can't remember who it is. It might be Zolf gives you basically the same the same advice that Scrat gives Hamid, which is that you don't have to immediately go and do something. You can yeah. just hang out here. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting parallel. Yeah, you don't always need to be fixing something. You're allowed mm. to kind of take a break. Yeah. It's um, a similar case with Grizzop. Uh, he didn't have a moment because his police were absolutely ironclad because I built him <laughs> to be the opposite of Zolf. Mm. And <laughs> he was a guided missile. <laughs> That's it. He was Grizzop <laughs> and he was Grizzop until he died. Done. <laughs> 
He died how he lived, two fingers up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to use with his bow. Uh, Oh, oh, right. oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Nice yeah. cover. And killing somebody that he had decided was morally bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With absolute conviction. Absolutely. I think, for the sake of ease, I'll do Wild, because I suspect that's who people allude to a lot of time when they say to pick an arbitrary NPC. <laughs> you know, just any NPC. You know, yeah. any. Oh, just any. What's, any what's NPC. Exactly. Well, to be fair, we know that Einstein's... I think the most pivotal me. change in the uh, jailer who looked after Zol <laughs> during the entire campaign. No, so for, for Wild, I think everyone will assume the answer is, oh, when he lost his magic. Sorry, no. also, very quickly, oh, go on. sorry to interrupt. But actually, thinking about it, that's probably one of the pivotal things for Zolf, that jailer <laughs> giving him Harrison Campbell's, because that became yeah. like yeah. a big <laughs> start for, such for a, a lot of things. such a throwaway bit, yep, it absolutely. so became a thing. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, back to it. But you just, just made me remember, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for Wild, I think everyone would expect it's losing magic, and no. So let's bear in mind this is a fictionalised version of Wild. This is not actual Wild, obviously. This fictionalised version of Wild was actually an examination of the interrelation between responsibility, uh, overwork, and burnout. Like, that's what this character actually was. Um, And so as a result, losing magic didn't actually do that. Because you look at how Wild responded, he responded by doubling down. He just works harder without the stuff he's got. Dying. I'll do it. Yeah, that's quite important, I think. Where he's like, I don't want to go back. I I, I don't want to go back. I give up. And then the chat with Zolf just being, listen, go back, but maybe don't make yourself in your own head responsible for the entire world. Who knows? Could do that. That was actually wild turn. Losing magic was a f***ing awful thing to happen, but it didn't fundamentally change his way of solving things, which was grind it out, whereas dying definitely did. For for, for wild, it was that. It's like there's actually a very clear gear shift and you can tell it in the character. But yeah, everyone assumes it's the magic. It's not because it's about how you deal with the world, not what. That feels like a superficial change. Okay, we'll go for a fresh question. Okay, okay, I'm feeling this one. I'm feeling this one. 34. So arbitrarily, because of the way it's laid out, the lower the number, the more popular the question, which is interesting. Okay, for the players only, which NPCs were the most fun to interact with or do you feel had the most valuable interactions with? Which NPCs do you wish your characters interacted with more? For me, are there any I'm just proudest of, effectively? Okay, that's another one. There's four questions in one line there. Um, Let's focus in on, like, favourite NPCs. Were there any particular interactions? And leave it at that. Mm. Uh, Most fun scene, uh, and I I think people talk about it, but yeah, uh, Grizzop with the Harlequin cell in Damascus. Yeah. Yeah. That's art. That's art. Oh, that was the worst. That was the worst. (laughs) Is there maybe a better Harlequin cell under this one? (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I forget about that one, but yeah, I did enjoy that one. Hmm. I loved anything to do with Einstein. Yeah. I also really loved Chaucer. Like, I know mm. he's a, like a late edition, but no pun intended. But, um... <laughs> oh, no, come on, <laughs> intend that pun. That's a brilliant pun. <laughs> um, but yes, lo- love the fact that he he could, he wasn't like able to like express at all anything and yet was still very dry and witty and gave us a nice dinner which i always appreciate <laughs> there weren't many of them in the campaign there were a few but there weren't many also i like a lich who's like oh yeah i'm a lich now that sucks yeah <laughs> yeah it was interesting i mean everyone loved einstein yeah yeah i really enjoyed the scene with apophis mm-hmm. i would have loved to have more interaction with apophis at another point in the campaign too. it would have been really have cool to. to kind of see that different or changed or yeah mm. I have to say, though, my favourite NPC was Skrark, and I loved interaction with Skrark. I really liked that Wild and Hamid started to become really good friends. And if I yeah, if I had to say which I wanted to see more interactions with, actually I would have seen more of that just friendship, mm. that like Hamid and Wild being mates, actually. I think that would have been nice, but yeah. uh, it, not really time for it, not important <laughs> enough to the campaign, Doesn't it wouldn't have made sense. But Yeah. I have a couple of pet ones, which is... I know everyone liked Ed. I liked the dynamic between Ed and Friedrich. Oh, and yeah. it very rarely got looked at. I love a classic double act. And there was a little <laughs> bit of it, but not really. It mostly became the Ed show because he's too big a personality. Well, you didn't but bring I... Friedrich back when Ed came back. He could have been there the too as an NPC. I, I considered it, but it didn't quite gel. Wait, I just there, there were two people Friedrichs, called Friedrich. Right? Yeah. yeah, there were. Yeah, yeah. there were. I don't mean that Friedrich. I mean other Friedrich. Ed's oh. handler. 
Ed Sandler <laughs> Friedrich, yes. Yeah, I liked that one. But I'm it pretty didn't sure I've seen much. people say there's three Friedrichs in the campaign because there was oh, another one really are. early on too. Apparently yeah. it's the um, name we like. There's, there's two bit ones that I liked though, which is genuinely the jailer with Zolf. Mm. I made a little note that he made a throwaway comment about his daughter getting a leather jacket just like Sasha's. I really wanted that daughter to turn up if they returned to London. <laughs> didn't happen, but that would have been nice. I made a little note there that didn't come off. And the other one is I checked back through my notes and don't hold me to this. I need to double check because this has been so long ago. I think if I remember correctly, the old man that beat everyone up, yeah, yeah like... What, one of the Lumiere brothers? Genuinely was one of the Lumiere brothers. It wasn't just a like, oh, it could have been. I genuinely think they were written as one of the Lumiere yeah, brothers. Sharp, and I it think, was just, right? it was an interaction that never happened. <laughs> like, yeah. I kind of I didn't expect them to get away. Mm. Um, so that, that interaction, weirdly enough, I, I chuckle at because that took it in a much different mm. direction very easily. Yeah. Uh, in a in a way that's uh, very similar to Bryn's, I one of my favourite things was Sasha's gradual like the developing relationship with Wild. I mm. think it was mm. yeah, mm. just mm. that that was great moment of them having the puns on yes. the oh yeah, of, I forgot that on the melted remains of the <laughs> uh, robot factory was kind <laughs> of genuinely really sweet. Mm. I forgot uh, about that. You know what? Um, Talking of sweet, the date with Kiko. Just want to thank you again yes! for just a wholesome, oh, no. nice date. Just one nice thing in the whole campaign. I need, I need nice you to thing. fill in a feedback form on that, by the way. Like I said, that's the closest thing to a proper date I think I've like ever done. So feedback appreciated. I do intend to be a better person in future. And, you know, that, that's how we learn. Okay, okay. We'll bounce on to our next question then. Next I, question, next I, I want to mention two NPCs I would have liked to see interact with each other more. Oh, Ooh, I wanted on. more of the Ed and Einstein show. Yeah. When they met yes. in Rome. Yes. That was somehow incredible. And I know it's just too hard to like voice two NPCs interacting, but those two interacting with each other, I would have loved to see more of. Mm. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll see if we can do a special for that or something, because that, that should be easy to do. Also, just but, yeah, they quickly, were fun. before I get endlessly messaged about it, I said Charles Lumiere. That's not one of the Lumiere brothers. I got the name wrong. <laughs> okay, okay. I said it in the background, I, but I know somebody's going to be like, you were wrong! It's Louis and Olga, or whatever his name is. <laughs> well, to be really dark, I, I'd have to double check my notes that I reread like in the last few months. I think it may have been, I, the note I wrote was Lumiere brother, open brackets, not deceased, close brackets, which says a lot because I think the other one might have been killed off screen. I can't remember. It's so long ago and the notes are so incomplete. Mm-hmm. They might have got ceilinged. Mm. I think he might have been. Because were they writing like or take your photograph? Yeah, they were investigating and then got sealing. I think maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think one of them got sealing and one of them managed to dodge it. It's been mm. too long. I'd have, like and my notes are shocking. <laughs> <laughs> my notes are dire. Okay, I'm rolling and I'm rolling and a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so this is question 19. Ah, Lydia Bryn. Hmm. In the season three Q&A, Bryn mentioned there was a character in Hamid's backstory that hadn't come up at all yet. Did this character appear in the show and who were they? What about the ones from Cell's backstory that hadn't come up yet? Hmm. No, the final character NPC I wrote was the big accident that Hamid caused at university, which killed a professor and a few other students. The son of the professor was supposed to be like bent on revenge. Ended up being entirely unnecessary because the idea was for me was that there were there were like the three there was Lil, Liliana Gideon and this other NPC that represented three different reactions 
yeah. to, to what Hammond had done. But given how Alex ended up, and that's how I wrote them, like one bent on revenge, one was disgust and one was like complicity. Mm. And it was like, so the idea was in my head was, you know, I'm a sucker for a stupid romantic story was, <laughs> you know, ha- Hammond and Liliana would meet and he would say, look, I've changed. I've, uh, I've, you know, done some good. It doesn't make up for the bad, but I'm a different person. Maybe we could try again. And then Alex brought her in and she was awful. <laughs> uh, and that was a really interesting story choice. It was great. Loved it. Not how I'd imagined it going. And I didn't write how I imagined it going. Alex was free to do that and it was a much better choice. But it meant that having another NPC who was like, what you did was awful, I'm going to kill you in response, not interesting, not worthwhile. Mm. Why bother bringing it in? I was tempted to try and bring them in and then turn them into a romantic interest after they got over their initial raw response, but (laughs) it it never really slotted in. So yeah, we just kind of left that by the wayside. As for Cell, I think yours was to do with family, wasn't it? Yeah, so with with Cell, I wrote the characters that were there, a lot of them, like Cell's ex-fiance, were people that I assumed would either be dead or very old by the time the campaign happened. And basically when I wrote Cell's story and was thinking about that, I had I just was very interested in playing a character for whom the adventure story that we're doing is not necessarily the craziest thing that's happened in their life. Mm. And for whom, like, this is something interesting, but it's part of a long, longer life, no longer process. And there's lots of, like, bits of stuff about care mm. in Cell's past, because at the time I was working on, like, care sector policy. Yeah, yeah. And so the fact that, like, Cell ages differently... And I had like a lot in my head, which would I knew would never kind of come out explicitly about the fact that Cell's father aged faster, obviously, than Cell did. And so it was something I, I had a lot in my head about the complexity of having the elven mother that doesn't quite like understand or can't handle the fact that her husband is aging and and changing and that their the husband might be scared to leave everything they know and go and kind of live in an elven community where everyone is forever young and like that that was actually a vastly more complex thing than like a divorce based on kind of an argument but that there was like a lot going on there about how and and also there was a weird thing of like me feeling much older mm. at the time of like coming up with Cell than I did at the time that I was coming up with Sasha. Like Sasha feels like a younger version of me and Cell is like an older version of me. And there was like five, six years, like four or five years in between. I went from someone in their mid-twenties who hadn't done nothing like this before to someone like in their early thirties. And I just had this realization that like you you have uh, like that you you grow past traumas mm. like they're still there but you you have lots of things in your past and and then sometimes you even experience things as like oh this is wild like <laughs> but it doesn't have the ability to shake you in kind of the same way because you know that you've survived similar and i know yeah, this all yeah. sounds like ridiculously profound for like our pathfinder game but <laughs> like a, a lot of that was like in my head of um it's is interesting to have those to have something that profoundly affected someone, but they're not necessarily around anymore, or like the situation has changed, and you can be happy again after like great losses Absolutely. or yeah. like Absolutely. after romances that you know. Like I mean, the big thing is that Cell is really at the beginning is kind of they've been grieving their late husband, mm. and so there's lots of like I just yeah that that's why I didn't expect a lot of people to come up. And like the, the stepsons, I really yeah. would have liked for them to crop yeah. up. But I also like the idea that there's just people that you love out there in the world mm. and they're not necessarily involved in everything that you do all the time. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I like writing characters or thinking of characters with tendrils. I think Cell was the most... <laughs> Let me finish this sentence. Cell was the most disappointing character. In so far as, in so far as, I think there was a lot more ground to cover with Cell and a lot of stuff didn't come up organically. So one of the skills that you learn is you don't force it. You don't Mm. make 
surprise, it's me, your long lost brother, all the time. It doesn't work. It gets very soap opera. It sounds like what you mean, Alex, is you're most disappointed in how you handled Cell. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Uh, like, Cell's stuff didn't come up organically as frequently as I would have liked. So, as a result, it left the most untapped potential in there. Like, mm. I think this will probably be a separate question. If you guys had chosen the America's route, mm. I would have pushed a lot more Cell backstory in. But because you didn't, that organic opportunity never really presented itself and I'd have been forcing, yeah, you know those people that you haven't seen in ages? They're in central London for some reason. <laughs> like, it doesn't, I doesn't like quite the fact gel. That, say, Sasha, like, talks about herself as being quite closed off. But actually, these are the first friends she's ever had and a lot of her emotions just come spilling out constantly. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh no, I'm so I'm so like reserved and quiet. By the way, here's my <laughs> <in her mind. laughs> Whereas, you know, like Cell, I, I imagine that on the on the Vengeance, Cell and Barnes were like lying in bed chatting about all of this stuff and it just never came up around the party. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. you know that they just never those aren't the people that they confide in necessarily. They mm. care about them. And yeah, love yeah. and respect them, but these people that they're on a short, wild adventure on are not necessarily the people that they say, by the way, I have dark, <laughs> unsolved issues. <laughs> <laughs> that I won't tell you about for at least two episodes. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, 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 okay. Next question, next question. Oh, it's a popular one. Ooh. Six. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, bless. People asking questions like they think I know the answer. <laughs> um, who adopted Brutor after the campaign ended? Oh. I don't know. Can Brutor have been a, mas- a mascot for the Vengaboat? Yeah, I can absolutely imagine him being a little ship ship pug. A, sh- a yeah. ship's pug. Like, like, imagine him trying to get up the ladders between, oh! like, standing at the bottom and, like... Like wagging his stumpy tail. Plus, he already had a little admiral's uniform. How else is he going to get the use out of it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. People are like, oh yeah. Well, of course, we we did say that it was it was a very accessible boat with mm, yeah. ramps. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. he's just. It's, I I like the idea that maybe like my chickens, he hasn't actually quite worked out the way that you could go up the ramps. So he sits <laughs> at the bottom of the ladders. <laughs> like completely refusing to work out how oh, the geometry of the boat goes. He's a dog goes. that still expects to be picked up and yeah, carried yeah. up gentle Take me up slopes. Here. It's like you could yeah. walk yourself if you go to the other end of the boat. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I can smell my food here. I'm not going away from it. Go up the stair there. Well, there you go. Asked and answered. <laughs> I do enjoy questions going. What was your grand plan here? And going, oh, there was one. There was there was nothing. I don't know. People do know like a lot of this is improvised, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is fiction. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's another really low one. Eight. Oh. Ben, did Zolf and Wild ever go on holiday together? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah. well, this was this, these questions are being asked before Epilogue Three airs. So. Clearly. Clearly. Yes, very much so. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty clear in Epilogue I, 3. I, that, I think like, it's, it's, that question is covered by Epilogue 3. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Ooh, a niche one. All the way to 85. Ooh. This is from Rubexo or, or Becker. I'm not sure which one. We know from Into the Wilds how tieflings work in this world. <laughs> Did you plan how other outsider races such as Sylphs and Azimars would work are the rarer races all present in the world just not where the PCs went oh my god but also <sighs> let's use ancestries instead of that term yeah so I'm going to unpack that a little bit but I'm not going to go into huge amounts which is as a shortcut in my head all of the obscure things of Pathfinder are in there but again probably in places the party didn't go I would say now they wouldn't work, most of them wouldn't be working as written in the um, Pathfinder. Aren't Tieflings and Azimar D&D specific? Because obviously Into the Wilds with D- was run in D&D Oh, wait, 5. no, you're right. It was D&D 5th. Hang on a minute. Maybe. Whereas the rest oh. of the campaign was Pathfinder. Oh. So I think oh, there might be a point. slight complication there Ooh. too. So not the to, issues not to I get have all with... ro- rules lawyer. <laughs> I can tell you, no, I can tell you now though that Azimar wouldn't be put here from God 
to make everyone's life. But like, <laughs> I don't tend to engage with the game in that way. So it, I'd have probably come up with separate things. What I would say now is I generally would have addressed them as a rarity. Same as like, Aquans did turn up in this. Mm. Mm. Mostly everyone was horrible to them for no reason. I've uh, I've just had a look uh, quickly on the wiki. They are in Pathfinder. So ah, it looks like it's, it's, it's not a Wizard of the Coast copyrighted term. <laughs> right. Lovely. So good. what I would say is, yeah, those outsider groups would be in the story world just because I, I, I tend to operate like that, but I don't have big, elaborate, massive lore for like how Asimar work in this world, how various types of sylph work in this world. Like, I, I don't. I'd love to pretend that I did, but at some point I have to be real and say, no, that's an enormous amount of work for something that didn't even come up once. It's good to remember that the party really spend the vast majority of their time in Europe and then in quite a narrow corridor mm. kind yeah, of Yeah, it's a very geographically specific. East, and they're in specifically kind of meritocrat heartlands for a lot of the time. And I I like the fact that there was this assumption that the northern wastes were empty, but actually it's just uh, you just didn't know about what was going on there and yeah. that knowledge was suppressed. And that was always the plan for and pretty much the entire world. Yeah, is. so the, there's lots of places that they don't visit. And yeah. they don't, and even even yeah. like Cairo and Damascus, you know, they're not European, but given the colonialism of meritocratic society, they're, you know, heavily influenced by meritocratic Europe, whereas places further from Europe would not have been. Yeah. Mm. So... To, to, to answer the question, I think it's a fascinating thing, and I think better people than me have uh, written fiction in the, in dealing with these things, and I'd recommend people go and check them out. But from my end, no, there wasn't a massive, enormous, like, Azamar conspiracy that didn't get addressed or the great <laughs> self-uprising of O2. Like, no, the, the, that, isn't, that isn't in there. It could be, well, but it isn't in the text. one of those things where we don't care until there's a PC, and then you're like, oh, okay, now I have to care. Sort of. And I know that's a bit cynical, but yeah. No, it's not. It's just how, well, just how you, no, that's just how you run like a game, recorded or not. I mean, I know some GMs love to really write out big law. Like, but I think a lot of people who are just casually running a game will be like, I don't care. Oh, now I have to care. Fine. Okay. In that case, then, we'll jump on to our next question. So this is 41. This one's actually from a specific person. The others have been from like so many people. It was just many. So this one's from Book Squirmy. Lydia and Ben. <laughs> is the book squirming or like... Don't, don't examine it. Just go with it. <laughs> this is loosey-goosey. We're all chill about this. We just accept that it's a squirmy book or it's about squirms. Who knows? I think they good. squirm three books. Right. How do you think your other character, so... Who? Sasha and Grizzop, respectively, no, would have reacted to the... I've got two other characters I need to... Yeah. Those are the ones they said specifically, oh, okay. well, so yeah, yeah, Grizzop yeah. and Sasha specifically. Okay. How would they have reacted to the post... Sorry, the world post-finale? So we're in our magicless afterworld. How would Grizzop and Sasha have responded? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, no idea. But that's because I'm quite reactive uh, as a player, so I think I'd need to be playing the character in the moment, making those decisions. I can't... Mm. You know, if if I if I thought something up and said it now, I don't think that would be true or honest. That's just me guessing at myself. I think there's one factor for Grizzop though, which is he took great pride, and there was a whole thing in Rome where he was like, "You can't contact your god. How rubbish! Mine's right here." Yeah. Pow, and it even came up again in the like fake Grizzop challenge thing. So he took quite a lot of self-worth from that from that connection so i don't think i do think that it would yes, have an effect it wouldn't have just been but, uh, a, i don't care yes but also he was also very intent on making the most of his life regardless so mm. like i don't know yeah that's it i uh, i'd mm. have to decide in the moment also actually to be to be specific about it i think um because all of zolf's character is angst about gods i'd have specifically said nah sod it it's fine so the result <laughs> was different yeah <laughs> you know what that is a very you response yeah, yeah. okay fair point <laughs> Uh, I think, interestingly, for Sasha probably would have reacted in a very similar way to how she reacted to Rome. Like, they're now in a place without magicians, but all her skills are still mm. relevant. Like, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sasha still would have been one of the most powerful potential assassins in the <laughs> right? world. Exactly. Like, she could have done whatever It's a world without magic, and Sasha's just there like, this feels like a you problem. Yeah, like, exactly. fight, fighters, rogues, and rangers are just like, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. Finally, skills, the right. great nerfing as it yeah. comes to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I can imagine that in a very similar way, having learned from the party's kind of morals, she would think more in terms of like running a security firm. And I can imagine mm. her becoming more powerful than she really understands how to do and becoming accidentally the big bad of a, <laughs> a new chaotic Ooh. world. Where, like, she, beca- a, she becomes Barrett. Or the Barrett. I, I, no! I can very much imagine her loved it. building something and not keeping control of it. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of trauma there that still needs to be worked out. Well, she apparently built the Harlequins. Yeah. And who knows exactly. what her intentions for that organisation were and how that compared to how it ended up. I can absolutely, it's very much in a kind of Avengers type thing. Like after the first couple, pretty much all of the Earthbound problems are Tony's fault. <laughs> like, like in a similar sort of way, you know, she's got all these skills and accidentally gets involved in big stories. And, mm. uh, you know, I, I can genuinely see quite interesting kind of continuing stories for a lot of them. But that's because I'm not reactive like Ben is. I'm like, all of these deep thoughts. Wait, no, no, put them to one side. I need to actually keep aligned with what the story is. And, yeah. <laughs> We'll go to our next question then. Next question. 67. We've got a middle one, middle, middle range. All the names of the meritocrats seem to be rough translations of the term dragon in one of the native languages of one of the countries they rule over. Most of these languages were developed after the fall of Rome IRL. Were the names of the meritocrats chosen because they were the names for the dragon in the region or was the word for dragon in that lag- language named after the meritocrat ruling over them? Okay. Oh my this, god. There's a chicken egg. No, it's a chicken egg question, which is Alex, did language develop where the words for dragon came from their names? Let's answer this for two separate time periods when starting the game. No, Alex is really lazy. <laughs> like Alex, Alex is really lazy and just looked up various words for dragon and made them names in the classic style of all lazy GMs everywhere. <laughs> um what I would say though is for what it's worth, I did consider the other like iteration, and I think it makes sense if you want to like have that fun little linguistic. But I, I'll, I didn't sit there and at the start of the campaign think in that detail. No, I just, I, I just found. Or the, the dragons words. are very old and have many names, and one of the ones that they use for formal occasions is mm. uh, like something that meant dragon early on in their rule of a particular I mean, area. But- also, linguistics in the RQG world is nonsense. Yeah. Oh, it everything, makes no nothing sense. worse yeah. at <laughs> all. There is a veneer of making sense, and just everything completely falls apart immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you if you if you chip at that very fine plaster, it is all woodwork. History underneath. changed too much. Languages wouldn't have looked the same. Countries wouldn't be the same. Yeah, everything yeah. about we, the world how is a lie. Massively change uh, like uh, European history, and yet. All of the towns and cities are just called the same thing and basically look like the ones now. <laughs> All right, now, now see here. Okay, okay. And I don't have anything to follow that up. I was hoping I'd, if I just made enough noise, people would pick it up. How did we still have, like, the Eiffel Tower? What? <laughs> yeah. Also, Notre Dame was like, wasn't that a monument about Napoleon who couldn't have existed on the merits of Okay, rule? there were various references to English monarchy at one point. Yeah, just... Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but don't look over here. Look at this thing. Look at the shiny. Look, so- yeah. someone's doing magic fireworks. Look over here instead. <laughs> Love it. So I think good. it's a good question. I think it makes sense and your explanation makes sense. But the brutal truth is, you know, like, nah, I just I just looked up the words for dragon in the regions that would make sense. It's absolutely a thing. If you want a better answer, go have a look at fan fiction. People have thought about this so much more than we have. If you want a better answer, don't listen to our Q&A. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever you can come up with. You have actually proved in that question that you can come up with a better and more like cohesive answer than a gang of improvisers yeah. who are mostly quite character-focused mm. and were very much learning as they went along. Remember that at this end, we're all spread very thin. <laughs> it's a very broad and shallow world. Yeah. And frankly, the thing is, if you have, if you change the world at some point, there would, there would be, it would be impossible for us. Like, even if we mm-hmm. all work together as a team for several years, rewriting history, there's mm-hmm. no way, there's no way that we could have yeah. like made a world that made sense in any kind of way that like there's, 
it's an impossible thing to do. I often tell people that I'm doing consultations with, I'm just like, this is a very big task. Are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> yeah, like it's it, it's feasible with 10 years of work in it being a completely different medium like a novel, but this isn't that. So just sorry. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Next question. Next question. 78. I can see I can see Brin's hankering for the doubles, right? <laughs> okay, 78. This one's from Pebble. How and when did Guive get infected? Was it when she flew to Paris to torch Eiffel's Folly? And I actually have a specific answer for this one. It wasn't when she flew to Paris to torch Eiffel's Folly. It came later. If you track a few references in this in the story to like, oh, the riots have spread to Paris and blah, blah, blah. It was once the riots hit Paris, there started to be a bit of a runaway problem and Guive was infected after everyone went into the time jump, but before they came back out of it. It happened in that away period. Mm. And it happened quite in the first half of that away period. But I, m- more specific than that, I, I, it never came up. So I, d- I never like fleshed it out beyond that. But that's the kind of time period it was more or less in. But yeah, Grieve wasn't infected for ages and ages, but there will have been a chunk of time where the meritocrats will, will have been pretending that everything's fine. Because <laughs> that was their way of dealing with most things. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, okay. So this is 72. This is from Mile After Mile. Lydia, this one I think you'll be able to answer fairly straightforwardly. What would Sasha's thoughts on Barrett's death via, quote, freaky planar entity have been? Is that a, is that a good death, a bad death? Should it have happened earlier? What, what's, Barrett's, uh, what's Sasha's take on Barrett's death? I, I think Sasha's take on Barrett's death uh, was laid out <laughs> in quite and if i say so myself uh quite direct speech um and the very fact that he kind of died as a side plot and didn't manage to derail things and was not as important as he thought he was mm. just underscores the fact that she was right mm. little bit i was i i'm eminently happy that barrett managed to die unwitnessed mm. off screen with no attention and you only find out after the fact oh Delicious. Yeah, like, I think she'd appreciate that. Next question. Ooh. Ooh. A double? Question 100. Ooh. Does that count as a double? That's a double. Yeah, it's it a D100. You have to have rolled double zero to get that. It That's does. Doubles. So we'll do the first question, then we'll do Bryn's doubles, all right? So the question's from Varia the villain. Helen. Who was Azu referring to when she told Kiko about a relationship where Azu didn't check and it ended badly? Oh, right. So this is my N- this is my NPC that never turned up. Yes. Um, <laughs> this was, I think she was a gnome. She was called Jex and she is someone mm. that Azu met in seminary and started a relationship with. And Jex thought that they were just like having fun and having a bit of a fling. And Azu thought that they were going to be together forever and then realised that was not the case and got a little bit heartbroken over it and that's what she meant is jex the reason that azu was distracted in seminary and kept <laughs> failing all the religion checks <laughs> who can say me yes <laughs> 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 she was thinking about her little gnome girl <laughs> oh imagine i think imagine like a monster hearts game at that seminary school <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, what we're going to have to do is cut that and then do that as Patreon content. Oh, that's a legitimately fantastic pitch for a bonus thing. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Oh, no. oh, April, note that one down. <laughs> yes. All right, all right. Bryn, you have been, you have been a patient bunny. My biggest, heaviest D20 I've ever rolled. Thank you, Ryan, for this gift. Sounded heavy. Mm. It's so heavy. <laughs> What was the maths that Barrett was doing in the bloody cell in Damascus? <laughs> oh, oh, no! Yeah. No! 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 Okay. Okay, okay. Do you want the real, genuine, honest answer? Yes. You were making stuff up and it had no connection to anything because you're a hack. Oh, no, I had it, but I'm an ass. <laughs> it was all Barrett theatrics. Yeah. Look like you have a big grand plan. It Excellent. didn't mean anything at all. It could have been a thing where if he was held to like knife point to explain it or whatever, it was all just a, yes, I'm a man with a plan. <laughs> Look how esoteric I am. And then when someone turns up by fluke, he can go, yes, of course. And then he'll just do a little adjustment to the maths. It's all theatrics. It's bo- Excellent. That's actually and quite sorry a good to, answer. I like yeah, that. So, sorry. It's just that like, he's a, I'm going to swear yeah. again, he's a sh- 
man <laughs> who engages in that kind of parlor nonsense that's what it was it was theatrics well i thought it might have been was that he knew about the blue veins already and he was working out the exponential infection rate i think that's a better answer (laughs) (laughs) and i really strongly encourage people to run with that because that's way (laughs) better than what i had barrett event like would have told people if someone put a knife Mm, that's exactly the thing though realized he needed to come up with an explanation i actually (laughs) love that as an answer I, I think that's a really good one. It's a very characterful answer. He, he liked to pretend he had all the answers and he had very, very few. Yeah. He was all theatrics all the way down. It was, um, I always had him pegged as uh, <laughs> Moriarty without the integrity. <laughs> 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 that was Barrett. All flavour, no substance. That was a good question, Bryn. I hope we get more doubles. Okay, all right. All right. 75. This is from Nosorgs. Who does what on the Venga boat? How big is the crew? And can we join? This is specifically for some reason to you and me, Lydia. What is um, the, yeah, I think that that is something for whoever dec- like that, that. I don't want to shut any shut down any of the possibilities. Right, right. I didn't have anything locked in my head, so there's one thing to be aware of when it comes to the epilogue at my end, which makes my life a lot easier. I genuinely just told everyone, look, tell me what you want to happen. I will then, in the background, make sure that no one has any direct contradictions and that nothing's literally impossible. That's it. That's That was my entire input. That was it. So as a result, I don't have any input on that but at my, all. My vague thought, the only thing that I would say is worth adding is that I think that probably Sasra is like first mate and uh, is becoming more and more the de facto kind of runner of the boat, Mm. especially by the end, and that it's a relatively sort of smooth transition. But that doesn't necessarily need to be how it is. Maybe that is Cell's perception of it. I don't know. I I just think I don't want to shut down any... I mean, also, it depends on what time period they're talking about because it's been running for a long time. People will have, like, as it was there for the first, you know, at least five years and then popped off. I do know that in my own head towards the end, this is epilogue three, Mm. like, and this is a mental shortcut, it's not an actual, like, ruling or anything stupid. Um, I, in my head, had them in a retrofitted aircraft carrier. Yeah, I can imagine that. Like, that kind of a scale of, like, massive open space, probably retrofitted where it's like it's got farmland on it or whatever and Mm. things like that. But by the end, I genuinely imagine that the flagship's probably a big old aircraft carrier that's, you know, solar punked up and things like that. (laughs) Absolutely. That sounds awesome. I floated that idea in my head. I also thought of like big kind of flotilla of like where you do have some that are almost yeah. village-like strapped together. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you had a Venga fleet by the end. Exactly. Um, I think go wild. If, <laughs> if I say so myself, it sounds like a setting for... <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm rolling and I'm rolling and... Ooh, 26. So a comparatively popular one. Alex, what happened to Curie? Mm. Curie turned and then Curie was killed. I'm afraid. Curie got compromised as the uh, Holoquins fell and was taken out, although I never went specific with it. It's not like Wild killed Curie or anything. Mm. But um, yeah, Curie ended up being eliminated by virtue of being turned and them not being able to, at that stage, know how to turn back, what was going on, etc. So that's the brutal truth. Here's a here's a, an, a slight mildly related question: Is question number one where Wild got that scar from? I think it must be. I couldn't possibly comment. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, no, it's not number one. Okay. But it's pretty damn <laughs> close. <laughs> like it's pretty damn close. It's number one on my but list. I'm not going to answer that. Ah, uh, I'm not going to answer it because uh, we we obey the dice. I kind of hope it never comes up. <laughs> just just so I can be that person. Okay, okay. 17, 17. Where are we at? 17. Okay. Ooh, this one's for Ben. 
You may know that baby goblins are a pretty popular concept around here. <laughs> yeah, I've been on Tumblr. When Vasek <laughs> got kidnapped, how old slash mature were the clutch? How did they get on with both their parents missing slash dead slash wandering around Cairo with a young strapping orc while an infection raged? What happened to them after the change? Do they meet Emeka or Ishaka or if it's all... A- Basically, give us the clutch deets. Uh... Uh, unsatisfying answer you probably know better than I do because um, they were never relevant they were never filled out and then Grizzop died and I stopped caring because I had, I had no because because I had to care about Zolf's stuff right no, that, like, that's what we love at you Ben is the, is the wonder of the different ways that people approach these questions yeah, yeah. And it, it gives me joy every time that you're like so unashamed. Because I, I, I love that. I hope one day I can yeah. get to that level of like, no, I'm confident in my approach and I'm not going to apologise for it. I have two things that I had sort of written in notes as a like, so I use a, a, a technique called sandboxing, which people might have heard of before, which is where you've got your notes and then the final section is your sandbox. And anytime a random idea pops into your head, you slap it in the sandbox and you forget about it. And then whenever you're generating prep, you reconsult the sandbox, see if there's anything useful in there and then you do the work. Mm. So I've gone back through and checked a few and that some of the sandboxes are still in there. And I do have a couple of sandbox elements to do with this. So these weren't ones that got formally integrated but we just sat there. One was that I made a very explicit note that they were all fine. Yay! That was like a must be fine. This is not a good story otherwise. So they were all fine. I toyed with the idea of maybe the oldest of the clutch will have been mature enough to sort of shoulder that burden. And then that could have been a thing, but again, didn't amount to anything. And the other one, which I toyed with, and this again, this is literally just the sandbox where I, I genuinely write things like, It'd be cool if, and then it amounts to nothing. I kind of always wanted to, but never found a way to connect Beaming Gusset to that clutch because I thought that would have been a cool pairing of characters. Yeah, they could totally connect because Beaming no, spends but time I just with mean the it didn't, I didn't. It's not just enough for them to connect. It's that they have to connect and be like visible as having connected yeah. and so that extra bit was missing. But I think it would have worked, but mm. I never managed to make that happen. It I was just sat there in a sandbox. I absolutely imagine by particularly because Beaming's obviously got his shop and has lost his protégé and he yeah, I like that idea. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like the idea of those dots connecting but yeah, never never came to pass unfortunately. All right. On that, we'll see you next week and then we'll see if we can't get some more doubles for Bryn. Okay. Yeah. Bye everyone. Bye. 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 Rusty Quill Gaming is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 international license. Today's episode was directed by Alexander J. Newell and produced by Hannah Preisinger. To subscribe, buy merchandise, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us via mail at RustyQuill.com. Join our community on the Discord or via Reddit at r slash RustyQuill. Thanks for listening. actually wild turn losing magic was a f-ing awful thing to happen but it didn't fundamentally change his way of solving things which was grind it out whereas dying definitely we're did. gonna beat that yeah, did you I'm even realize you said that <laughs> what, you, what? You yeah said... you said f- <laughs> oh no did I? I? yes, yes. <laughs> would, would you like a take without a swear word or do you want i don't even it? know where i did i've never done that on a recording you before said losing magic was a f-ing awful thing to happen no, leave it. We'll bleep it. <laughs> Don't bleep it. Don't bleep it. Do we get one f-? Can we get a f-? <laughs> You cannot. Oh, one cannot. singular This, this f- about to go dark, right? Do we care anymore? Yeah, f- it. We'll get the explicit tag. <laughs> <right>. No <laughs> f***. No f*** given. Uh... <laughs> Hello all. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about... The Programme. The Programme audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. 
The programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the Programme Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode. 